Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And I am super excited about our guest that I've brought to you today. And we'll talk about how I met her here in just a minute. But first, let me introduce you to Allison Henderson, CEO of Moving Image Consulting, a company that focuses on sales training, team building, and leadership development. Today, she joins us to, dis to discuss the art of body language in the professional environment and the role it plays in interviews in the usual workday. As a body language and presentation consultant, she will share her expert tips to help you present the best version of yourself in order to see better, greater success. You would think this was my first time doing an intro. Not true. So anyway, I would love to welcome Allison onto the show. Hey. Hi. Thanks How so much, Casey. <laughs> it's so great to see you again. It was so funny. I was telling uh, Marissa, who helps with the podcast earlier today, I was like, you know, I have an option on my calendar that you can either choose a phone call or a Zoom. And when you came up, it was a Zoom. And I was like, huh. We were just supposed to have an introduction. I'm like, oh, yeah, body language expert. Of course she's going to choose the Zoom. <laughs> so Zoom is, uh, is great. I, I personally am very happy that it's grown in so much popularity, and now I get to see more people face-to-face -face than, uh, <laughs> than just over the phone. It, yeah, it's definitely transformed the way we do business remotely, hasn't it? Absolutely, and really overnight. I mean, just overnight, boom, yeah. <laughs> everything turned virtual and it really was quite the adjustment for many, uh, many households. Well, and I, you know, fortunately didn't have any small children at home or school age children, which I can't even imagine what that looks like. But, you know, for me, even just managing me, you know, getting, you know, we got a call and they said, uh, come get what you need and go back home. That's it. You know? And so, and that's how my COVID started, my pandemic. So, right. Yeah. It became, okay, here's the date to come get your kids stuff. And uh, they cleared their lockers and put them in bags with their names on it. And you drove up and they shoved it in the car and you drove what? away. And there was no, there was no going back. That? Uh, so definitely it was really probably for our, at least, you know, my generation, the the weirdest kind of thing that's ever happened to us, for sure. That is so crazy. So I always like to start our podcast to talk about how I met someone. So do you remember how we met? Well, it was a good thing that you mentioned Frank before we got on today because I was like, oh, that's right. Because earlier today, <laughs> I was like, it's been so long since we had that conversation. I, I was truly trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> I was like, how did we get? Because you're not, not close to me at all. So. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, no, we met through the great connector. I, I, I tell people all the time, I think all connections lead back to Frank at some point, right? He's <laughs> super connector. Um, he was on the show a couple of episodes ago uh, talking about why it's so important to connect. And you 
meeting you is a prime example of why it's important to connect with people because, you know, by connecting with him, I've connected with you, and I know you're going to introduce me to other amazing people as well. So connections are important. For sure. Pay it forward all the time. That's right. That's right. So let's just dive into it. So being a body language expert, how did you get to be a body language expert? Oh, well, I... My roots are in uh, theater and directing. So the observation part of the body language work that I do really came quite naturally. But uh, as you probably know, uh, if you have any uh, actors by night who need day jobs that come to you, uh, I had the day job to support my theater habit. And there was so much more drama going on in my offices that I was working at than there ever was like on my stage at night. I was, <laughs> and I was a little perplexed by that, and a little uh, dismayed, I guess. It just had, there's gotta be a way to fix this because so often I, as the outsider, because let's face it, I was a secretary, I was an admin, I, you know, I, I was very low on the totem pole. So I was able to sort of have an outside view. And I kept thinking this, isn't personal so often and everybody's taking everything so personally what is it about the communication that's missing and i ended up going back to school and getting certifications in these different body language observation modalities so this i'm technically a certified movement pattern analyst is my uh, fancy title and really that means that i'm trained to watch your body language and connect it to the thought processes in the brain, which is why it's so important for businesses or for interviewing and, and human resources and things like that, because being able to observe another human being for what they're thinking means you can change your communication to fit what they need to hear. And so often we do the opposite. We all know about listening to respond rather than listening to really have a a communication moment, but this really has helped me bring to teams the idea that it isn't something personal, it's that you think differently than each other. And if you can get over that barrier of my thought process doesn't match your thought process, which means I need to respond to you in a different way, then teams work so much more smoothly and they're saving so much time redoing projects or overworking each other, the overlap mm -hmm. that happens or silos come down in our in our businesses because finally people are communicating. Have you read Malcolm Gladwell's latest book, Talking to Strangers? No, I should write that one down. So mm -hmm. the reason I bring it up is because it's so fascinating what you just said about, you know, connecting the uh, you know, what you're saying, the thoughts to the movement or the movement to the thoughts, right? And he is talking about like all the issues, um, like for one thing, he's talking about Adolf Hitler and how Chamberlain went in, talked to him and came back and said, yes, we've got this. He's good. He signed the contract. He's not going to invade all these other countries and all that kind of stuff based on his body language when he met with him in person. And I think that that's just fascinating. So it's a book you would probably really enjoy. I'm about halfway through. Yeah, it. for sure. So, um, so back to you, what role does uh, body language play and how you communicate your skill set when you're in a job interview? The body language really is the believability piece uh, because so many of our answers these days 
are practiced and rehearsed uh, because we have the internet and we have all of these blogs and we work with career coaches and uh, and, and things that we that I believe the the HR professional or the manager, whoever it is that you're interviewing with, is looking for your body language to support the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because anybody can create a really great script for their skill set, uh, but if there's something that's wrong in the truth of it, it's going to come through uh, their body. And they're not necessarily going to know, they're not going to say, oh, they, uh, tilted their shoulders when they were talking about this and that doesn't match what was coming out of their mouth. I mean, I could say that to them, but they just know in their gut that something's off. They have that doubt that comes in because our body always betrays our words. It just, we can't help it because the body brain connection is so, uh, so close that really you can only control your body movements for so long. And if an interview lasts longer than 10 or 15 minutes, they always talk about in body language or the FBI agents that talk about uh, interviewing people that things leak out. And that it really is that uh, body language leaks that give people doubt in what it is that they're saying. So the confidence level that you need to have when you're explaining your skill set and the practice that needs to go behind it is actually greater than what I think a lot of people uh, maybe spend uh, preparing for, for their interview. They might prepare it going through their mind, but until they really engage their body and speak it out loud, they, they may not have practiced to the right level that they need to, to overcome their, their nervousness and all of the anxiety that you feel when you go into this, whether it's virtual or whether it's uh, in person. So question for you, um, let's say I'm a candidate and I was fired from my last job and I don't want you to know that as the interviewer, right? And so you ask me, why did you leave your last job? And I give you an answer that's not true. What, what signs, what body language should I be looking for to know that they're not telling me the truth? It would be great, A, to hold on to that question until five or 10 minutes into the interview because as I said, of those leaks coming out, but you would also have a better baseline for their normal behavior. Because what you're going to notice or what you're going to be looking for is a change to that normal behavior. When we are untruthful, we normally uh, clamp down on our natural movements because we don't, we have read enough things that know that our body will lie for us. So we don't move in order to try to prevent any lie from, from, from it coming off in the body. So if somebody has been very uh, warm and they've been gesturing with you and everything seems really great. And then you ask them that question and they kind and they sort of freeze or they bring everything down, uh, then there is something to that. Or it could even be the opposite. Maybe you have somebody who's really reserved the entire time, and then you ask them that question, and suddenly they're like, "Oh, well, let me tell you what ha what what happened," or "Let me tell funny story that bop 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 bop," and you're like, "Well, that was an interesting answer. You haven't answered anything like that up until now." So it really is for the average eye. That's what their the limbic brain is going to be reacting to. They it reacts to changes in what we're seeing. And so that's where that doubt's going to creep in because it's going to say that was not the you of five minutes ago. So which one do I believe? 
And the minute there's doubt, usually we go negative anyway. Like we're not going to believe the next thing you say mm -hmm. and the next thing you say because we already have that doubt in our mind. And it may help, it may mean that we're looking more strictly at the resume then for a few seconds and trying to come up with some other questions that maybe they are being dishonest about on their resume. Mm, that's a good point. So let's switch this to the importance um, of the person who is interviewing the candidate. How important is how important is that body language in, how, what importance does the body language play in listening? The best thing about body language and listening is that you can do what I call listen with your eyes. So the more open-ended questions that you ask as the person who's doing the interview, that gives you a chance to watch the body language of the candidate. And if the candidate is smart, they have begun the interview with asking you questions about the company so that they see you uh, exhibit body language yourself and then they can change a little bit accordingly. But uh, oftentimes, candidates are really nervous and they just let you go right on in and ask your questions. So if that's the case, then ask away so that you get a sense for who they are. And then that will give you that baseline for, as I said, if they change their behavior or if you get a feeling that the style of this person doesn't fit the culture mm -hmm. of the company or maybe won't, won't mesh with the other people on the team. Uh, people really should go with their gut, at least initially. Uh, and then if they're like, but they're so paper, let's have somebody else interview them, they think. Uh, because like tends to higher life. So we do tend to warm up to people who exhibit similar body movements to ourselves, first and foremost. So it could be your gut reaction is that they just process very differently than you, which is that friction that I already mentioned. Mm -hmm. And they need to interview with somebody else just to see if there's consensus on this not fit for the office or not fit for the team. Um, but you, the more you talk, then you show body language. The more you listen and have the other person talk, you can read theirs. And it's so much, uh, more helpful to you to read their body language while you're sitting there than it is, you know, for you to do all the talk. That, that is so good. And I'm sitting here like, cause I'm sitting here like super still, just like hanging on every little word that you're saying right now. Um, but I want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how to read the body language. We gave an example earlier, but you know, I just think it's so essential for professionals at all levels that they know how to read that body language. Um, what are some signals that you can get from your audience to know whether they're engaged or not engaged? Most people know the cliche, looking at their watch, answering their phone, heaven forbid in the middle of the interview, they, you know, they, something flops up and they stare at it. Uh, you know, those, those sorts of things. But really, I think the key to someone not being engaged is you can almost watch their face even more than, than, than their body, because most people will keep some kind of pleasant expression, or at least slightly, if they're engaged. They're, they're not going to have what we now know as resting Zoom face, right? The, the, <laughs> the total, just, just the, their, their hair, 
they're listening and they just, it's like they just check out. Or you see it's, them look over and, here and you know they have another computer screen, right? Right. If you do, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're looking at something else. They're totally distracted and they're not engaged. The thing with engagement that sometimes trips people up, however, is that men and women nod for different reasons. So if a, if a woman is nodding, usually that's, yes, I'm with you, keep going. Like, like we tend it. to nod and, yeah. and yes, oh, absolutely great job. Men read that as agreement. So it, it may be that a male candidate comes out of your office and thinks, she agreed with everything I said. Oh, I nailed it. I nailed the interview. It's really shocked or dismayed or coming back to you like, how, how could you not hire me? You, know, every, you were totally in agreement with me or what, you know, or they're going back to their, um, to whoever's helping them, you know, with their job search, their recruiter and saying, you know, that was BS, what's going on? Uh, and the, the opposite could be happening for a, uh, uh, a male-female interaction on the other end. If it's a male interviewing a female and she sees a lot of nodding, which is that he's agreeing, he's not necessarily wanting her to continue to speak. And so sometimes women fall into the trap of these really long answers because they're taking in the signal of, oh, okay, I, I don't know that I have anything else to say, but I'm going to stretch out this answer because he's still nodding at me, you know? Yeah. Like, so we have to remember that. Just there's a little gender thing when it comes to engagement that sometimes can be misread. That is the first time I've ever heard that. I had no oh, idea. Well, there you go. <laughs> little knowledge bomb right there in the middle of the show. Well, look at it next time you're in a you're in a group meeting and just notice when the men nod and notice when the women are nodding. You know, you'll know to probably see the difference right before your eyes. I don't think I'll ever be able to not see the difference anymore now that it's been brought to my attention. <laughs> yeah, I've ruined you. That that's it. I've ruined you. You know, I was sitting here as you were talking about that, and I was thinking about you know because I've I've done thousands of interviews because I'm a recruiter and so I interview candidates on behalf of other companies. And I can tell you there are times when candidates will go on and on and on and on. And I mean, to the point where it's only happened once, I yawned. How's that for body language? And they still didn't get <laughs> well, it. Well, if they didn't get the signal with that, then they are really self-absorbed and not paying any attention. They were just like, I'm like, you, you've got to quit talking so much because I need to ask you questions. And that's not important, you know? So I, I don't know why that episode or that little incident came to mind when you were talking about that. But I was like, yawning's pretty clear. Pretty clear. <laughs> so just other than my yawning in an interview, what are some of the mistakes people make when it comes to body language and how can that be corrected? Probably the two top problems that I see pretty consistently is posture and energy. Mm. And they really go hand in hand because if somebody is give it has decent posture, they're they're sitting up in their chair and they look executive. There's just a difference between this and this, right? And there's yes. Uh, oh, for those of you who are only listening from, oh, yeah. <laughs> from kind of slouching and rolling and, and collapsing your shoulders to sitting up straight and commanding the room. And interviewers really need to understand that interviewees need to understand that they should be commanding the space and showing the potential for leadership and executive, even if they're not going after an executive level position, they need to give the impression that they could handle that responsibility because 
companies don't want to be hiring over and over and over again. They want to put you on a trajectory to grow with their company. And if they don't see the potential of executive level or leadership level in you, they're probably not going to be as apt to hire you. And so often, it, I just feel like I see people who, who are, and it's not a huge slouch. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think they weren't sitting up straight unless you saw the difference of how their energy rises and it helps their tonality of their voice because they're taking in more breath mm -hmm. and they tend to relax a little bit or look less stressed because they're taking in more oxygen. It just helps so many things that the posture uh, and we, most of us have poor posture because we have rounded ourselves over time with our phones and at a computer and being on the computer and everything like just we have collapsed as a society in general and so you really look above and beyond all the other candidates that someone has seen that day if you just think i'm going to go in there with really great posture and it doesn't have to be military style you don't have to throw your shoulders way back but if you take a nice deep breath and raise your sternum and keep it there when you exhale, that's kind of the trick that I usually tell people is just take it, take a deep, take a nice breath and then just wherever your chest ended up without your shoulders being raised, because that looks funny. But as long as you can take a deep breath and then keep it there, it will also help with your gesturing so that maybe you don't gesture like a penguin, because if you take a deep breath in, you tend to put what I call more air in your pits uh, as you're gesturing as well. So um, probably all of you that are listening to the podcast or want to go over to the YouTube video because <laughs> um, of the demonstrations that are going on right now. But uh, but yeah, a little bit of air in, in your gestures, it helps you to look more alive and, as I said, more executive in general. So more air in your pits is what you said, right? Yeah, air, yep, air in your pits and air in your lungs. How's that? So, <laughs> it takes you more air and it will it'll give you more energy. You will look more engaged and your body language will improve because you'll most likely give off some more signals than perhaps you normally would. And part of Part of the game is giving the person who's interviewing you enough signals to make a decision. If being really tiny and, and, and poised and closed off and, and small is not necessarily the way to win in this day and age because the competition is fierce in most uh, in most fields, particularly right now with so many people being furloughed and, and um, businesses closing or downsizing and all of those things that you have to advocate for yourself and part Absolutely. of the way you do that is by going after it and and having a smile and putting on that great presence when you're in the interview getting some air in your pits yeah i'm so going to use that from now on <laughs> tell um, all of your clients now i you have to have a little like, air take in your a deep breath you we know, need some air in our pits stains and everything you know <laughs> you live in a hot state it helps with you know with all that Exactly. Um, you've shared that more than 70% of the communication is nonverbal, right? Which that blows my mind. And, you know, as a recruiter, a lot of my candidates first step will be a phone interview. So how do we communicate that body language in a phone interview? Well, the, the funny thing is, and some people don't tend to believe me, but you do the same thing as you would live. So you and I even usually tell people stand up. Yep. Take the phone call 
standing doesn't mean you're wandering around necessarily because you don't want your mind to wander if your body's wandering your mind might wander you may not focus your answers but when you stand up there's a better chance of you having better posture taking in more breath that's going to help your voice come across as more energized and more lively and the other thing for the phone interview too is to be aware of succinct answers because you can go on a little bit longer live than I think people listen to over the phone. It just may be taking off a sentence or two on some of your answers that you've sort of planned out ahead of time so that it is, uh, isn't, you don't want to say boring the other person on the other line, but it's very easy for them to get distracted too because yeah. they're not looking at you. So they could be looking at emails that are coming in or all sorts of things that are distracting and the as soon as there's silence oh it's my turn again and if they've if they've kind of not paid attention to the very end it'll bring them back as well so it can also be good for your listener i like to ask my uh candidates to smile as well when they're on the phone absolutely it helps your your vocal timbre and you really can hear a smile you it's uh, if you have somebody, you know, do a test and say, okay, answer this just without a smile or answer it with a smile, the energy will come through the call when they put that smile on. So this is the question that I've really been building up to and that I think you more than anybody else can answer. Um, so such weird times that we're living in right now, and we try to keep the show pretty evergreen, but we're going to go ahead and talk about the pandemic because I think it's important and that masks are required, I believe, in almost every state now for the most part. So how does that change? Because now we go from we lose half of our body language, at least our facial body language. How has that changed us and how, how do we work around that? Well, for one thing, masks are basically requiring us to be even more animated than we normally would. And I've already, I'm already an advocate, as you can tell, for having a little bit more movement or more facial mm -hmm. expressions and more body language They told me to on. sit still during the podcast. Ah, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing they're not on my side. Uh, <laughs> um, so with, with the mask on, there, there's a couple things. For one, you, you feel like because they can't see your face, you need to overdo your reaction so that they really come through your eyes. Uh, because you can have a surprise and be like, oh, but that doesn't necessarily show through unless it's, oh, right, there's a difference. Um, I call it like cartoon eyes. Like if you think about it, uh, back in the old Bugs Bunny cartoons or those kind of things, when the eyes were like a ooga and they jumped out of the screen, <laughs> that you know, you almost have to think on those um, terms. So I've been working with some teachers on how they're going to go back into the classroom, uh, and it's the things they could do with their kids. So that's one of the tips I've been giving them. You know, call it cartoon eyes and ask the kids to to have more expression. But, um, and it, it's a little bit of reaching back to your inner child and thinking so that you give yourself permission to be a little bit bigger with your body language and your emotions. When a five-year-old is having a tantrum in the middle of the store because they're not permitted to get the cookies that they want, 
there's no question as to what they're emoting and there's no question to their body. <laughs> it is clear as day. They're on the floor. Doing <laughs> we've been taught to, to tamp it down and to become, uh, you know, a, a functioning member of society and to control yourselves and prim and proper and etiquette and all of those things. Uh, so if you kind of tap into that inner child just a little bit when you have the mask on, you you will naturally exhibit a little bit more body language to help uh, people. I sometimes I say it's sort of like a cross between bad Shakespeare and you know acting in pantomime. Something you almost feel like because you've got this mask on and you're suddenly you're like, why am I just dreaming so big? <laughs> What's going on with my body? I want to be heard. Because I'm frustrated because I can't tell what you want from me, and so I'm overdoing what I want from you. But um, yeah, and really the other thing, particularly if you're interviewing, is articulation. Work, I call it chewing your words. You have to use your lips, teeth, tip of the tongue to make consonants. It's the only way we know the difference between one word and the next are the consonants. Otherwise, you're sitting across from somebody and it sounds like all vowels, and you're you don't have any ideas to what they said and you have to keep asking them to repeat themselves and that makes them nervous. So ahead of time, do some tongue twisters and you know, warm up your mouth and your, and your face and then put the mask on so that you can be understood and are loud enough on top of that to really get through the mask, depending on the style that you have and how many layers it is. And, um, do you have a filter in there or, or those kinds of things? Because some of these masks are getting pretty high technical and, and it seems like there's more layers in there than than uh, maybe we we need for communication. I never thought that I would have so many masks in my purse. It's ridiculous. At one time, right? It's you like an accessory. The, the backup in the car and yep. two or three in your purse because you never know with me, with children riding with me, if they've forgotten theirs, you know. Yeah, who would have ever thought now it's, you can't leave without your phone, your water bottle, and your mask. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, our time has flown by today. So I definitely want to get to our VIP questions. Oh, excuse me. Um, so are you ready for those? Okay. All right. Yes. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, first thought came to mind was Lin-Manuel. Miranda, because I would want somebody to rap to me and to sing show tunes. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he's absolutely brilliant and it would be so fun to um, be trapped with him. Second I had on my list was um, Hugh Jackman, kind of for the same thing. Uh, and he's You cute. know, Wolverine, <laughs> my son's name is Logan. There's just... <laughs> He's kind of a hottie, even though he's getting older. So I think, and he sings show tunes. So I would uh, be uh, happy to have him with me. And then just to make sure that my husband isn't left behind, I think I would take him over my kids uh, at the moment. So I'd have the three men uh, in my life, I think is who I would take. Cause I thought, is there any stuff that I need? And I'm like, I don't know that I need stuff. I think it's, you know, I would need relationship. I would need communication. I wouldn't be one you of those people. You need body language. Like, no. I don't want to take anybody with me. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I'm really curious about this next question. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? 
Well, it may be surprising for people that have listened to this interview, but I actually use meditation podcasts. So I have a couple that I listen to, you know, interchangeably because people don't necessarily post every day. And I'm mm-hmm. sort of one of those people that doesn't like to read <laughs> for some reason. But uh, I really do at the beginning of my day, I have to put in some headphones and breathe and center uh, because I can tend to be a little spastic if I haven't done that prep work. And sometimes I add movement to it uh, as well. I have some movement scales from my training that can help to center. So if I feel like my brain is still a little uncentered or if I know I have a lot of sales calls that day, which aren't the most pleasant for me, I'll do some movement as well to get my body ready, which some people think really is like, yes, you have to get your voice ready and your body ready and, and all of that. So Absolutely. I meditate. Absolutely. And I will share with you, there is a meditation on YouTube. It's called Great Meditation. Love it. And they post about every three days. And it's just I will a- check. With- yeah, there's one that I like that's called Meditation Minis because they're usually 10 minutes or less. The quick person in me, if I only have a few minutes, that's one of my go-tos as well. All right, so for our final VIP question, if your, life's, if your life was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Meet the Energizer Bunny of Body <laughs> Language. I love that. <laughs> That is awesome and so true. That's usually what people always come back to me. You have so much energy. Uh, well, in order to convince you that this is important and that you need it in your life, I think I'm big to you know demonstrate. And usually I have to be doing a lot of demonstration. And so that makes me a little bit uh, bigger than the average bear when it comes to body <laughs> I love that. How do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about body language? Ah, well, they should look up movingimageconsulting.com. My YouTube channel has tons of content on there, but, you know, please subscribe. Like, help me with some subscribers, man. This, <laughs> a lot I'm of times I get views, but, you know, hit subscribe. Uh, that you can search me on just under Moving Image Consulting on YouTube as well, and you'll find it. Um, those are the two main, uh, main ways, or just from the website, you can email me and and check it out or connect with me on LinkedIn too. Use my name, though, not moving image on that. Use Allison Henderson to find me on LinkedIn. And we'll put some notes uh, or we'll put some addresses in the show notes so that people can have an easier time finding you. This has been so much fun. I was not disappointed at all. So, <laughs> so Allison, I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Oh, yay. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.